Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. These are extraordinary times. The number of coronavirus cases in Europe has surpassed the count in China. Europe's total of more than 85,000 infections exceeds China's 80,900. Gosh, the Reserve Bank of Australia poised to unleash unconventional monetary policy today. And in response to the COVID-19 outbreak, the U.S. Senate has cleared the second major bill for paid sick leave and food assistance. We look at what people in the markets are talking about today with Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Asia Collect. Arun here to discuss uh, the impact of what's unfolded so far. Good morning, Arun. So let's start with the European Central Bank. It's announced a $750 billion euro plan, billion euro plan, I should say, to buy bonds and commercial paper. This follows a similar move by the US Federal Reserve. Now, we've talked before about monetary policy in a time of COVID-19. Central banks don't want the credit markets to freeze up. But if factories are shuttering their doors and people are staying home to ensure social distancing, what good will these measures do, Arun? Excellent question, Michelle. And honestly, it has to be a three-pronged approach, right? I think the central banks, like you were highlighting, ECB, the Fed, are doing what they can to ensure the smooth functioning of the markets, to keep credit lines flowing, because you've kind of seen the story like in 2008, where if you see credit markets freezing up, there will be much worse repercussions to be it the large corporates, but especially the SMEs. In addition to uh, the central bank and like the monetary uh, things that are coming out, you also have the fiscal government, com- the government coming up with all sorts of fiscal policies out where you have tax breaks, paid sick leaves, uh, debt forgiveness, uh, relaxation on rules for non-performing loans for banks. So it's a combined approach, both from the fiscal and the monetary side. But first and foremost, the government's responsibility is to ensure the safety of people, especially the first line of defense for medical workers. And it's kind of sad to see where, you know, China bore the brunt of this problem uh, the first month, month and a half in the world. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gave a, potentially it could have given time to all the other governments around the world to try and protect its citizens, protect its borders, try to ensure the safety and well-being of everyone. Sadly, uh, you know, it was taken a little bit too casually by the looks of it. Everyone tried to compare this to SARS, uh, where it did not cross borders from China, Hong Kong and Singapore. And now we have a full blown uh, epidemic. So, you know, now that being said, though, it seems like governments across the world, central banks across the world have started to get their act together and a lot of global coordinated measures are uh, being undertaken. Regardless of what someone might tweet that this is a China virus, at the end of the day, now we can see this is a global virus, Mm -hmm. which needs a global coordinated response. And I think for the first time in the last couple of days, we are at least seeing uh, the first steps taken uh, to be taken in that place. Great points. At first, it looked like investors were applauding the ECB moves, Arun, but any rally in Dow futures and Asian markets uh, seemed to be short-circuited. There's more red on my screen than green. Arun, what do you make of investor reaction? 
I think day-to-day moves, as we've seen in the past like 10 days, right? We've gone limit up, limit down a whole number of times, sadly more limit down, especially in the U.S. markets. Mm-hmm. I think investors will keep taking these headlines of a spike in, say, coronavirus cases in the EU now being larger than China, mm-hmm. et cetera, and start making uh, very quick decisions on what to do with their money rather than uh, taking a step back, looking at the market as an overall picture, trying to understand and analyze which businesses will be able to survive these crazy times uh, in the long run, be it potentially with a little bit of government assistance to tide them by the next three to six months of major cash flow issues. And it would be it would make more sense for an average investor to try and do that rather than continuously try and time these markets of every like one, one and a half percent moves. Got it. Arun, what do you think of the trillion dollar relief package signed into law in the U.S. just over an hour ago? It includes paid sick leave, free COVID-19 testing. On top of that, the Trump administration is also invoking a law that will allow it to order manufacturers to make critically needed medical equipment. What do you make of these measures? I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Like I was reading uh, General Motors CEO coming out saying that they might be trying to retool their plants to come up with medical equipment. So you're seeing an unprecedented uh, slowdown in the world economy uh, in terms of especially small businesses uh, getting hit. Potentially, we're not seeing the numbers out yet, but potentially unemployment rates uh, spiking up quite substantially. That being said, though, uh, in the U.S., in Singapore, in a number of other countries around the world, we were at all-time low unemployment numbers. So there is definitely a buffer. It really depends, though, and it's essential that, uh, you know, various fiscal policies, uh, like the ones that you mentioned, tax breaks, paid sick leaves, debt forgiveness, they have to be brought out in full measure right now to try and stem this bleeding. These past 10 days on Wall Street have been harrowing, even if you're just a spectator. Circuit breakers, thousand-point swings used to be a rarity, but a typical day on Wall Street this month has seen swings up or down of nearly 5%. And to put that in perspective, over the past decade, the average rise or fall was 10 times smaller, just 0.4%. Volatility like this used to be typical of markets in China, not the US. So what do you make of this increased volatility and how do you deal with it? Sure. I think there are two aspects to this. Firstly, we have a lot of, uh, you know, algo-related trading that takes place in the U.S. markets. And many of these algo strategies are basically momentum strategies, but on steroids. So you have a large section of the market, which was purely done by algo trading, that is now trying to exacerbate the moves that have taken place in the last be it an hour, be it 10 minutes, be it the last couple of milliseconds. So you're seeing these moves getting magnified on one side. And on the other side, uh, you know, it's this interesting case where uh, this fund called Bridgewater, which was founded by Ray Dalio, it's like a $160 billion uh, fund that, you know, with leverage, you know, it could be anywhere from like half a trillion uh, dollars or more. You have this uh, fund that was primarily relying on this concept called risk parity, which basically meant if you have a portfolio, you try and allocate a certain percentage of it to equity, which are your highest risk segment. 
you have a certain percentage allocated to fixed income, uh, which is bonds, and a certain percentage allocated to precious metals, primarily gold. And the whole rationale or hypothesis was that regardless, like you're trying to cover all the three main asset classes. So hopefully uh, in the long run, this kind of a strategy will outperform on a risk-adjusted basis what the markets do. Now, what exactly has happened? In the past, uh, you know, about a month, month and a half on, you've seen equity markets correct substantially. It's been one of the biggest drawdowns, even more so than during Lehman times back in 2008. So you've seen uh, these funds that were leveraged taking a massive hit on their equity portfolio. So what they've been forced to do is to go out and try and liquidate their precious metal segment, which is gold. And hence we've seen uh, you know, a, a reasonable correction in gold, which typically would have been your safe haven asset. Mm. So you've got equities hit, you've got gold hit. Now, because of the nature of this crisis, you've had governments come out and employ massive fiscal stimuluses. The U.S. with one trillion, uh, you, the EU with another 750 billion, and you're coming out. So when you have all these governments forced to spend so much money, mm-hmm. people realize that your national deficit is obviously going to spike up. And if that's going to spike up, then a 30-year U.S. Treasury at like one one and a half percent doesn't make any sense. So now we are seeing an unwind of uh, treasuries or government bonds in the past couple of days especially. So you're starting to get whacked on all three fronts, thereby leading to uh, massive margin calls in these funds that leads to other people getting margin calls. And you're seeing this spiral downwards where the only thing that's safe is cash and not just cash, but US dollar cash. That's right. Would that explain what we saw overnight? It seems investors were selling everything, stocks, bonds, commodities, everything in sight. You just name it, they were selling it. Uh, Very few signs of hedging. Um, So, as you say, investors just want to raise cash in in the near future, as you see it? I mean, ideally, of course, that you you, you have a bunch of cash lying in your portfolio, hoping or waiting for these kind of moments where you're seeing massive market uh, disallocations between what potential value can be in the long run versus what the immediate day-to-day price is telling you in the stock ticker. I think, you know, it's interesting, again, to take a step back where history doesn't repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. And, you know, I would love to bring uh, the attention to all the listeners uh, of this show to an op-ed piece uh, written by uh, none other than Warren Buffett in the New York Times that came out in October 2008, which was about a month after uh, Lehman bankruptcy. And the title of that uh, New York Times piece was By America, I Am. And his, the, the synopsis of that article is basically, no one knows where the bottom of this market is going to be. But if you can try and assess uh, individual companies, or if you do not have the time and resources for that, taking a look at the market as an overall uh, way or asset class to try and get, uh, you know, to be able to buy a slice of the future of be it the US or the world economy in general, at extremely attractive prices. If you look at the past 100 years, the world has been through world wars, numerous famines, uh, other pandemics also, and eventually we worked out just fine. 
So I think it's extremely important that people do not try to leverage themselves, trying to take advantage of these crazy volatile market moves. Mm. You most probably will get stopped out. But that being said, this gives a potentially or at least a start of a window to start scaling up and basically buy a percentage of the long-term future of this world at discounted prices because you have a whole bunch of other market participants that are being stopped out. It is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, isn't it? It, it really is, like, especially in certain sectors. Maybe not the market as an overall, uh, maybe not the market overall, because there are still some sectors that I think are still quite frothy, uh, especially in the technology space. Mm-hmm. While they've had a phenomenal run in the past 10 years, uh, based on pure, you know, like value investing, Benjamin Graham's principles on how to analyze a business based on ensuring that it does not have leverage, ensuring it has proper free cash flow, uh, it does not have leverage in its balance sheet. And dealing with metrics like that, as compared to eyeballs on the screen and just, you know, customer acquisition at any cost. So you, you're starting to see various segments in the market that have fallen to such cheap multiples that starting to buy these in a reasonably diversified manner for the long run in a non-leveraged manner should hopefully give you a very decent rate of return again in the long run. I have no idea, Michelle, and I don't think anyone else has any clue of where the market will be one week, two weeks, a month or two months from now. But if you can start buying proper quality stocks at decent valuation and just write it out for the long run. That's a great op-ed. I'm going to repeat that again. So it's Warren Buffett saying, buy America, I am the richest man in the world uh, advising mm-hmm. us all to buy stocks back in 2008, was it? Despite yeah. the market decline. But, mm-hmm. but the concept is very similar. Exactly. Like history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Right? Yeah, and he's so basically practicing his fundamental principle, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to turn to the economy now. Are we already in a global recession? There are no official figures out yet, but we've seen major investment banks like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley say the answer is clearly yes for a global recession. What do you think, Arun? My personal take is, um, you know, obviously I do not have access to any uh, insider information or statistics that various governments will have, but it can safely be said probably in like say three to six months time, we will look back at this and yes, this was probably the start of a recession, maybe in like Jan or Feb. And yes, like recessions are part and parcel of the world economy. Seeing the word recession does not mean that people should panic. Now, obviously there will be a section of society, uh, especially in like the F&B space, in the tourism related industries, uh, cruises, airlines, uh, the transport segment, etc., that will be badly affected by this. And one would hope, because of this, uh, again, you know, the government, central banks step in and ensure that the, this really short-term pain that is being felt by a whole number of people, the government will be trying to backstop this. At the end of the day, they are the lender of ra- last resort, and they seem, in the last at least three days to a week, they seem to be taking out a lot more bazookas out of their arsenal to ensure that the pain is not going to be felt that badly for an extended period of time. In the short term, next couple of months, maybe hopefully not even like six months, 
there will definitely be, you know, you will see news headlines saying there's a much larger spike in number of cases, primarily because as and you know, as and when we can get more test kits prepared, more people are tested, and you will see that those numbers spike up. But it's important in terms of uh, the fear aspect to not let these news headlines take over how you invest your money. You know, Italy came out saying that 99% of deaths in the country are primarily related to uh, the people who passed away, sadly, having other illnesses. My personal take is, and I'm not a doctor over here, but, you know, at the end of the day, in three to six months' time, after a lot more people have been tested, we will hopefully see the mortality rate drop substantially from the three and a half, four percent odd, uh, like the headline numbers that are going around markets right now. Help us understand what's happening back home. The Monetary Authority of Singapore, market watchers say they're expected to step in early to help lessen the impact of any downturn and that the Singapore government could announce new fiscal measures to offer ammunition in a pos- for a possible recession. The MAS widely expected to ease monetary policy at its upcoming half-yearly meeting. That's slated for no later than April 14th on top of taking the Singapore dollar's pace of appreciation to a neutral zero slope, the MAS also more likely to lower the midpoint of the policy ban in which the currency is allowed to trade. How would this work, Aaron? So sadly, Singapore is going to bear a brunt of the world economic slowdown. And that is just, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, because it sits as a hub for tourism, for conferences. Uh, what Singapore has done phenomenally well in the past 50 years is ensured that you can process pretty much everything via uh, the government and the borders of the country in a very smooth and efficient manner. Look at the port, look at the uh, airport. Uh, so it, it, it was leveraging off of uh, it, the smooth trade and goods and services flow around the world, and it became like the hub of that. So obviously, when governments uh, across the world have basically shut their borders down, uh, tourism has come to a complete uh, standstill, naturally, Singapore will be affected by that. That being said, though, the government has been phenomenal in ensuring transparency of information and being able to try and test and quarantine people who are affected by this virus, leading its citizens and residents of the country to feel a lot more confident about going about doing their day-to-day activities and jobs. Now, obviously, it's not nowhere close to like 100%, Mm. but still, it seems like, uh, you know, talking to a bunch of friends in different countries, we luckily seem to have it quite, you know, lucky in that aspect. Now, that being said, uh, when, the Mal- when Malaysia decided to shut its borders a couple of days back, mm-hmm. there were massive repercussions because something like, I believe, one-tenth the labor force in Singapore is from Malaysia and the day, uh, you know, day and evening shift from Johor Bahru to here. So in, in cases like that, and it was phenomenal actually to see I have friends in like the hotel industry and logistics industries and government entities were calling them up to ensure that Uh, You know, we are behind you. We will provide you any support that you require. If you need uh, space for your uh, the workers that come from Malaysia, we can try and connect you with hotels that can give you subsidized rates for that, etc. The central bank is now coming out also, just like every other central bank in the world, 
to backstop and ensure that the markets are performing reasonably well. And we have actually not seen that kind of volatility in uh, the Singapore market for that matter. So, you know, while obviously Singapore is going to be massively affected by this slowdown across the globe, I think we seem to be in a much better spot than a whole host of other, especially our neighbors, but even other more, quote unquote, developed countries than us. If we take a big picture approach, Arun, an Associated Press headline caught my eye recently. It reads, a cruel paradox beating the virus means causing U.S. recession. That essentially the steps required for social distancing means shutting down factories, halting travel, possibly closing restaurants, all of which will impact the economy in a negative way. Uh, For discussion's sake, do you see any way around this? Could the uptick in online purchases, for example, help pick up some of the slack. It's, it's funny. Uh, Bill Ackman, another famous uh, hedge fund manager, was on uh, CNBC last night, mm. and he was basically proposing to uh, Trump, saying, "Let's have a one-month spring break in the U.S., shut everything down, have tax breaks, uh, non-performing loan extensions, uh, paid leave for everyone. You name it. Let's just do that for one That's month. That's a spring Stop break. Being... I want to be part of." <laughs> It's an interesting idea theoretically. I think uh, practically it's extremely uh, difficult to implement. (laughs) But that being said, I think the measures that have been been undertaken by a whole host of governments currently, we will hopefully start seeing uh, this pandemic being controlled in a lot better manner. And, you know, just putting it out there, you have something like 20 or 25 pharmaceutical companies that have basically said that they are in the, in the latter stages of coming up with a vaccine. All the market, and this is again, you know, shifting again to the investing side of things, all the market will need is some kind of clarity in the near future. And if you have a number of, uh, or even a couple of companies like this that are coming out saying that they've actually evolved into the human uh, clinical trial stage of this vaccine, and basically there is light at the under, end of the tunnel, one will hopefully see the markets spike back up. Well, Bill Ackman, the activist uh, taking his ideas from boardroom to Washington, hey? Uh, (laughs) Asking for a 30-day rent, interest and tax holiday for all. So that would mean no defaults, no foreclosures um, and just people hunkering down. Let's see how that plays out. (laughs) Not a bad holiday, right? We should go to Sentosa right now and enjoy life. (laughs) Love it when we end like this. Arun, thank you for your insights. Great talking to you as always and take care. Thank you, Michelle. You too. Arun Pai is Chief Strategy Officer at Asia Collect. This has been Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. Download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.